in case you missed it on Newsbreak. Real hope, real change now. So that's the tagline, the buzzword that's doing the rounds across the Democratic Alliance today as they converge to elect their new leadership. A very good more afternoon to you. Welcome to the program. It's with me, Tari Shari Pashad. News break talk today and we are previewing the DA's Federal Congress. Now, of course, the two candidates that uh, are vying for the position of the party's federal leader, um, Balian Tuli and John Steenhaisen, um and definitely two dynamic characters, very different in their approach to um, conversations of being approached in the party. But needless to say, this is about the Democratic Alliance, the official opposition in the country, a party that plays a significant role uh, in the South African political tapestry. So definitely what they do there definitely becomes news for us here. So we're going to be talking about the Democratic Alliance and a lot of criticism leveled against the party specifically in the past year, um, taking it back so much of... Um, you know, miles in terms of the gains they've made, um, many questioning now the um, ideology of race in the party. Um, of course, the Democratic Alliance came into um, the political arena with the, with the, with the, you know, the hue of being a whites-only party, a racist party, a party that um, sought to, um, you know, advance the uh, agenda of. Um, of white South Africans but the party had worked very very hard um, over the years to dispel that to offer themselves up as an opposition to a current leadership that they felt were uh, performing poorly um, and the likes of um, um, Musi Maimane becoming the federal uh, leader of the Democratic Alliance really took that narrative onto a different path. But as you know, he stepped down from the party, saying that the Democratic Alliance was not the vehicle that he wanted to be a part of. And it was certainly not the party for all South Africans. So this you know, forms the very basic backdrop for the Democratic Alliance. Now, though, the two candidates contesting the uh, for the leadership position of the DA are confident of victory as the party's virtual congress gets underway this weekend. The party's interim leader, John Steenhaisen, will face off with its KZN, MPL Mbali and Tuli, dubbed the largest virtual political gathering in the history of the country. The congress will be attended by at least 2,000 delegates who will elect a leader who will lead the party to the 2021 local government elections. Our reporter, Nomaliso Mandela, has more. The DA pushed ahead with its federal congress after it was postponed earlier in the year due to the COVID-19 pandemic. More than 2,000 delegates are accredited to participate in the proceedings. This is made up of public representatives such as MPs, MPLs, councillors and branch representatives. The party's interim federal chairperson, Ivan Mayer, says they have ensured delegates' participation and inclusiveness. To accommodate delegates... With no internet connectivity, we have provided 38 hybrid venues with Wi-Fi and internet connectivity where these delegates can take part in this Congress. We will be using the Zoom webinar polling system to vote for constitutional amendments as well as Congress resolutions. For electing the new federal leadership, we will be using the OPA voting system 
And we have tested this system at two provincial congresses, one in the Eastern Cape and one in Pumalanga. This system was successfully tested and I have absolute confidence in the integrity of this system. Both candidates for the leadership position have expressed confidence in winning the race. The party's former youth leader, now KZN member of the provincial legislature, Mbalindouli, said she has worked hard to reach many of the party's delegates. She said the results of the Congress would show that. I'm excited to see what's going to happen this uh, Congress uh, time tomorrow. But whatever happens, I look forward to making sure that I will still be a part of making South Africa a better place for everyone. Current interim leader John Stenhazen said he's certain he has ticked all the boxes to garner favor from the majority of the voting delegates. What I intend to do as leader is to create safe spaces within the DA where people are able to honestly, frankly, and in a completely unrestrained manner be able to put their issues to on the floor of those. Political analyst Obrimajik believes that the party will have its work cut out in dealing with issues it faces. There will be an attempt to deal with critical challenges facing the party. Chief amongst which is the challenge of internal unity and cohesion, which has been compromised by a lack of policy unity and a lack of unity on ideological matters. It goes to this federal Congress at a time that it seems internally it has yielded to conservative elements, to a conservative right-wing logic. A logic that ironically runs counter to what uh, Helen Zile was trying to do. And Machikli sums up the possible outcomes of the federal council, saying it would be a recalibration of the... Two other positions will be contested at the Congress. Gauteng Chair Mike Moriarty is challenging Helen Ziller for the powerful position of the DA Federal Council Chair. Other four candidates, including Rafil Nzeke, Anton Bradel, Anneli Lotriet and Jacques Small, are vying for the position of third Deputy Federal Chair. Nomalizo Mandela, SABC News, Johannesburg. Mm, well, let's look zero in now on those challenges experienced by the DA going into the virtual elective conference. Um, this year alone, the official opposition has lost three provincial leaders with one saying it's no longer the party he joined 20 years ago. He, this was uh, preceded by the exiting of some senior political leaders, including Musi Maimani, Haman Mashaba and Athol Trollope, among others. The party has also lost the appeal of voters um, after losing ground in the 2019 and the 2016 uh, municipal elections. And Debo Mokobo takes a closer look. The DA is the first political party in South Africa to hold its elective conference online as it seeks to install a full-time leader to take charge of its electoral campaign ahead of the 2021 local government elections. But the federal conference comes at a time when not all is well in the official opposition. Some within the party have attributed its failures to the return of Helen Zill as the chair of the federal council. But the party's former leader, Musi Maimani, who left after Zilla's return, was too diplomatic on a return. I also want to congratulate Helen Zilla, and I want to wish her well on her election of chairperson of federal council. Certainly, I think that it'll be good. She brings a new energy. She'll be full-time in the role. She'll bring vigor, and ultimately, she'll work with the leadership of the organization. It's been a year since Zilla was elected as chair of the federal council. At the time, she promised not to interfere in how my money should run the party. People are worried that I won't stay in my lane. And the problem is that many people have only seen me in a leadership position. 
but I've very often played behind-the-scenes roles, very often. But by definition, they don't see that, because behind-the-scenes roles is behind-the-scenes roles. You don't see it, but I can do that too. But this was not to be. In fact, a month in office, three senior leaders, including Maimani, left the party. They were followed by three provincial leaders, including Patricia Kopani, Andrew Lowe and John Moody, who said he no longer felt at home within the DA under Zile. Political analyst Oprima Chiku believes that the party will have its work cut out in dealing with issues the party faces. There will be an attempt to deal with critical challenges facing the party. Chief amongst which is the challenge of internal unity and cohesion, which has been compromised by a lack of policy unity and a lack of unity on ideological matters. It goes to this federal congress at a time that it seems internally it has yielded to conservative elements, to a conservative right-wing logic. A logic that ironically runs counter to what uh, Helen Zille was trying to do. And Machikri sums up the possible outcomes of the Federal Council, saying it would be a recalibration of the racist conservatives in the DA. There is something that is going to come out stronger that will be celebrated by the supporters of Helen Zille and Stienaisen. The conservative right-wing racist lobby will come out stronger. And what will be celebrated is that with the election of Stienaisen, the DA has returned to its true identity as a party of liberal values. But what's going to be weak about how this conference, I think, will end is a further alienation of the party, not only from black voters and black people in general, but also from elements of its uh, quite conservative base. Only three leadership positions will be up for grabs at this federal conference. Interim leader John Stienhazen and Kwazulu Natal MPL Palintuli will contest the position of party leader. Current Houghton Chair Mike Moriarty is challenging the powerful position of the DA Federal Council Chair currently occupied by Zile. Another four candidates, including Rifil and Tseke, are vying for the position of the third Deputy Federal Chair. I am Tebu Mokobo in Johannesburg. Mm, so there you have it. Interesting times there with the Democratic Alliance. Which way are they going to go? Off-center or, um, or where? That's the definite, definite direction that many have been questioning following the resignation of Musi Maimani. Where is the Democratic Alliance um, headed? So let's talk about this now. Just a bit of a preview we're doing here to tomorrow in terms of finding out exactly who emerges successful very happy to be joined on the line by Sanusha Naidu, who's our political analyst today. Sanusha, good afternoon to you. Thank you for joining us. Good afternoon, Tereshan. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, so like we were saying, interesting times, a lot to focus on, a lot to consume with the, with, with the DA race here. Um, you know, going into this, and of course, a very delayed elective conference, uh, needless to say, <laughs> but going into this elective conference, um, a very divided DA. Uh, I think this is an easier election uh, to, to analyze than the one that's coming up on Tuesday. Uh, so I think to a large extent, this is a... It's an interesting time for the DA. I mean, I think as I was listening to Aubrey uh, speak about what would be the potential outcome and impression of the party going forward, you can't deny that this is really about a stabilization of the party, the leadership, uh, the question of how the internal dynamics and uh, questions around the internal 
uh, fragmentation tends to, to, to stabilize now with this elective conference and with the leadership position being finally uh, uh, put into, into place with, uh, in terms of uh, moving towards some kind of permanent structure and, of course, the federal chair position and in the other positions that was mentioned, that was mentioned in, the, in the insert. And to a large extent, I think the, the, this is what it, it, it's about. So as much as it's about a stabilization of the DA, it's also about a question of where does the DA see this go, where do they see this going? And, and, and as I was coming into this interview, I listened to both um, the, um, the, 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 the statement made by uh, the interim leader, John Hazen, and by the contender, Bali uh, Tuli. And it was quite interesting to even listen to Hazen talk about this idea of parachuting people into the party. And I think it was a very kind of interesting tongue-in-cheek remark about different people, particularly talking about those that now have left the party, that have basically been parachuted in. And what's important to bear in mind is that if you look at the review document that was done by the former strategist of Tony Leon and, and, and Tony Leon, so Ryan Kutsi and Tony Leon, uh, you, you kind of have a sense that this is about kind of re, recalibrating the party to a level or to a context where it's not just stable, but it, it also kind of has a leadership that basically would not kind of go to these different extremes of bringing in people and then having to deal with the fallout of what even the whole merger between the DA and the ID had created in terms of um, the producer Deleuze. So it's, it's quite fascinating to listen to what the tension or what the direction would be if Mr. Stian Hazen emerges as um, the, the, uh, the, the leader of the party and wins this elective conference and how that's going to be the kind of approach of stabilization of the party direction. But what, what does this mean if you want to grow the party? Because it doesn't mean that stabilization is going to grow the party in, bringing, in, in, in opening up uh, the space to attract voters who you haven't been able to keep within the party, but at the same time, those that will have to will, you will want to come into the party space. Yeah. And of course, it raises that point about who are you stabilizing for? And, I, and, and it's very clear that they may be stabilizing to go back to a traditional base, a traditional base excuse me, that they feel that would have kept them uh, kind of, of, of given them the traction, but kept them in a kind of, st- in a, in a kind of way that doesn't really upset and, and create all of these different kinds of uh, disruptors to the party. So yeah, I think, think Sanusha, when you yeah. talk about traditional base, and, and I think that really you know, served as a major backdrop for where the party found itself with the resignation of Musi Maimani. Of course, uh, you know, he may have put a particular speech there in that resignation saying that he feels that he cannot, uh, It's a, you know, the Democratic Alliance is not where he would want to, um, you know, a- advance his career because it doesn't um, factor in all to the, uh, the, the lives of all South Africans. It's not a party that represents all South Africans. But, you know, subsequently, if you analyse his actions since resignation and his constant um speak and his constant push for a more inclusive uh, political vehicle that he's been trying to establish his various um uh, discussion on race and racism um one gets the sense that the democratic alliance is moving further to the right and mm-hmm. your thoughts about that going into this congress um you know is this party really unapologetically now 
um, going to the traditional sort of identity that the party had, um, you know, say about 10, 20 years ago? It's a very difficult thing at this point to, I mean, for me uh, personally, these kinds of labels just don't really mean much. Uh, the party seems to be trying to accommodate all different identities in the in its in its ranks, uh, and so whether it's in the centre, whether it's in the moving to the right, etc. I think there was a very interesting uh, um, interview that Tony Leon and w- Douglas Gibson did in one of on one of the news platforms, where they vehemently denied and, and took to task analysts who were saying it. I'm not apologising for that, but what I'm saying is that what does it mean when you're going to the right? I think the challenge for 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 me is. This party is trying to retain what it considers to be a traditional base, and that base could be could incorporate all kinds of of, of ideological bents and meanings. People who have very very archaic intentions, people who are completely out of touch uh, identities, people who want to retain whatever. It becomes a broad church, and I think that is what it is. So you could actually be camping in a party where all these different ideological bents are still sitting in this party. It doesn't mean that the party has moved. Uh, it's just a way it helps us as analysts to try and define the identity of the party. I think the challenge for the DA going forward is the question of how they, how they interpret race. And interestingly enough, the policy... Uh, their, their policy head or their head of policy, uh, Graham Graham, also made a statement in, the, in, in today's uh, elective conference, saying that uh, it, it, you know it, it's not. I mean, disadvantage or lack or, or, or being poor doesn't mean that it, it's a black issue that it has to do with the color of your skin. This for me is the complication and the complexity of how they identify disadvantage. Yeah, yeah. Because in South Africa, you can't deny. Structural inequality, you can't deny how people were system. I mean, if you're saying the national, and this is what you said, uh, I'm paraphrasing, that the national government used the color of people's skin in order to allocate resources or, or, or something to that effect, I, I stand corrected. But, you, but then at the end of the day, they con- it's a contradiction because race is important. So I think this is the dilemma for the party, that they're trying to be, they, try, they, they acknowledge that there needs to be an economic justice approach to, to the economy and to the way transformation works. But at the same time, they're so hesitant of putting it at front and center of the fact that race is part of that economic justice. Yeah, yeah. And no. so they're having, they're having that crisis of themselves in terms of, saying, of, of, of trying to show that they're moving towards a kind of non-racialism, but very much in a contradictory way. And they kind of paradoxically you know, uh, putting themselves in a corner. They're snookering themselves in that way because they're trying to show that uh, we can achieve this by not uh, putting race front and center. Unfortunately, you can't do that in Africa. And that is perhaps something that many have accused the DA of fundamentally getting wrong. And, you know, the, I think the, the sort of smoke hanging over the party, or if you, you know, want to use a better word in terms of, um, you know, if, if you could just say the hue of the party, you know, when, when the likes of uh, the federal chair, Helen Ziller, uh, being taken to task for her tweets on colonialism, you know, um, brings a dynamic as to what an opinion is within the party that, wait a second, colonialism wasn't all that bad. 
Um, and that is something very risky. Uh, and I'm taking it a step further by talking about it more in, in terms of the electorate. That is a bit risky for an electorate when you have a party which has, you know, undertones of mm. colonialist support. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I, I don't know. I can't tell you with any certainty why she said it, what was the idea of an opinion uh, versus something that can be... It, it, it's, a, it's a very implosive issue. Uh, it, it, it has very implosive implications for, for the image and the reputation and brand that you uh, want to protect and how it then gets interpreted. So, I, I mean, I think, you know, uh, there are certain things that I think uh, should not be said on Twitter because it becomes a, a fodder for, for all kinds of, 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 of things that get caught up in social media that I think we are losing value of what the real issues are in, in the context of the party. And more importantly, it's a point that I think even Douglas Gibson made in his uh, interview around, you know, calling calling Helen Ziller to task to remain in her lane and stick to the role that she is contesting. Now, this again tells me that there's something much deeper happening in the DA, not just in the context of this race between Stian Hazen and Bali and Tuli, but it's also the question of who is who is this god that's trying to restabilize this party. So Stan probably has the support, he has the support of several provincial chairs, but he also has the support of this of an old of, of a traditional guard in the party. Uh, you know, that report by, by Kutsia and, 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 and Leon in reviewing the uh, the DA's um, performance at the last election makes it very clear that they want to take the, the DA back to some kind of basics in terms of review, in terms of direction, in terms of stabilization. And that also means that keeping Helen Zilla in line is part of that, uh, of, of that issue as well. So there's another undercurrent to this whole thing that needs to be explored, and that is Helen Zilla versus some of the old guard that still sits there, and maybe in a kind of implicit way and in a, in a, in a broad way, they also feel that she is partly responsible for what this party has gone through after being, um, to use the quote-unquote, the words of, of, of Stan Hazen, parachuting people in. Yeah, and I can remember. I can't. I mean, you know, we know who he's talking about. They say people who kind of parachuted out as well. I, I was hoping you wouldn't describe it like that, but you took it there, Sanusha. So, of course, yes, we are talking to Senior Research Associate based at the Institute for Global Dialogue, Sanusha Naidu, today about previewing um, the DA Federal Congress. But And we're going to go to your WhatsApp messages, some voice notes here already, some text messages already, so we're going to bring you in on the conversation. But, you know, um, and, and I think... I, I think that's what you almost do, isn't it? You talk about race when you need to talk about the future of the DA, the past of the DA. Um, but, Sanusha, what many are saying within the party is that it's not an issue of left or right. It's not an issue of, um, you know, racism versus black superiority um, or colonialism versus black superiority. It's an issue of power struggles within the Democratic Alliance. And the Democratic Alliance has, has, has used a narrative and used a tendency to say that we're so much better than the ANC. We are not corrupt. We are completely united. There's no uh, fragmentation in the party. If you, you know, if you, if you were to analyze a lot of what the DA says when talking about um, the 
the, the, the ruling governing party. This is the sense that comes through, but many don't agree with that. And Mbali Nturi herself says that, according to her, yeah. one of the reasons that the party has been you know, facing some sort of murky waters was because of power struggles, of, of people wanting to... Um, you know, uh, she calls it the plain old-fashioned power grabs led often mm. by individuals who seem to believe uh, in ruling by fear. So that's an inter- interesting dynamic to look at. You know, take a side race and now actually look at the the issue of everybody trying to um, emerge as numero uno in the party. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I can see where you're coming from and, and of course, trying to, to remove the 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 race factor and saying that it just comes down to blatant power and issues of power. I, I think that, you know, one of the things that we have, we've done in South Africa and, and why we haven't really uh, focused so much on the DA's internal issues of power dynamics and how these power dynamics play out is we've been so focused on the ANC. And I think the, 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 the shadow of the ANC has been such a big cast over our society that we constantly only focus on ANC, and rightly so because of the fact that they're the ruling party, and it's all of these issues have come to the fore there. I don't think we've, we've sufficiently interrogated these issues in the, in the DA. And I would say that part of the challenge of this is that even the DA being the, the opposition has also, you know, kind of this as a basis in terms of what the role is in Parliament to constantly uh, push the ANC around the questions of accountability, transparency, questions of uh, you know corruption and tender uh, tender irregularities and so forth. Uh, and of course, this doesn't help when you have a party of that nature that's that's also imploding in a bigger way. So, to my mind, I think what Ms. Tuli had done. Well, she kind of put out, put it out there what people have been speculating about in in, in, in the DA, um, but at the same time, I think you know you you, you again can't uh, run away from optics of of, of race. Uh, for me, the bigger problem in the DA is just looking at who the two candidates that are contesting this contest of the of the of the lead, to be the federal leader of the party, uh, and one that's been that has basically crafted a very nice area of support for himself and the other that has done really well but again you know listening to some of the 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 old guard of where does the power lie it comes back to race terrorists at the end of the day i want i want to go back to a point that i I thought was very profound that was made in the context of what was happening in the u.s and what what one of the uh the 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 anti uh the black lives matter activists said he said he wants, for the first time, he wants liberals in the U.S., white liberals, to have an honest conversation about what they mean about race and racial transformation. Because it's about them having a discussion about race amongst themselves. And I think this is a critical issue as well in South Africa, not just in the day, but in the broader context of our liberal context. And where do we see these dynamics of the racial dis- discourse happening? Because, again... The, challenge, the, the, the issue of power struggles is an age-old issue in any society. Uh, whether you're in the U.S. or whether you are sitting in Timbuktu, it is there. Power is about, uh, politics is about power and it's about how you uh, uh, capture power. But I think in the context of South Africa, when you start to want to withdraw the race factor from it, you, you, you kind of end up in, 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 a, in a bit of a stunted context. You snooker yourself. Because you then are talking about an issue that in the optics of what's happening in the party, you can't divorce it from it.
says a lot about the electorate and the society then of South Africa. And that's just a whole new topic altogether. But Sunisha, let's just keep it there on ice as we're about to go on to uh, our WhatsApp line to see what people are saying about it. Lots of opinions here. And let's, it'll be interesting to see what the what um, the South African on the ground is, talk, is saying about it. When we come back, we go to WhatsApp. Stay tuned. Did you know that as a valid TV license holder, you can now win your share of half a million rand in daily prizes? Yes, you only have to renew or pay your domestic TV license. Then dial star 120 star 45887 hash or visit tvlicgames.co.za and take a chance at our Wheel of Fortune Spin and Win or Scratch Pad. Enter to win award-winning giveaways such as airtime, shopping vouchers and household appliances. Dial star 120 star 45887 hash or visit tvlicgames.co.za to enter now. Terms and conditions apply. USSD, 20 cents per 20 seconds. One rand 50 per entry. T's and C's apply. TV licenses, making more content possible every day. Hashtag made possible by you. The Speaker of Mazulu Natal Legislature, Honorable Nontembevo Boys and members of the Legislature, invite the people of Eteguini Metro and surrounding areas to be part of the Taking Legislature to the People program, which will take place on the 3rd and 4th of November 2020 by joining the proceedings which will be streamed live on the following social media platforms. YouTube, www.kznlegislature.gov.za 2020 at TLTP, Facebook, KZN Legislature, and Twitter, KZN Legislature. This two-day sitting follows the multi-party visit by members of the legislature to various wards in Etewini Metro. The multi-party delegations met with the communities to listen to the service delivery issues which need government intervention. A report on the multi-party visit will be presented and debated during the sitting. The sitting starts at 9 on both days. KZN Legislature, an activist people-centered legislature. Previewing the Democratic Alliance Federal um, Conference here, the electing of the leadership, the race between John Steenhays and Anne Mbali and Duli. So, yeah, let's go to WhatsApp to see what you've got to say about it. Salim Adam, hello there. Hi, Teresh. This is Salim Adam. I think the DA Congress is a very, very vital Congress. The DA has a political party, plays a very important opposition role. The DA is very well structured, well organized and a party that so far we can see is clean from corruption. They have taken up many important issues that face this country. The DA can use this Congress to clean itself of the image of being a racist party. The the return of Helen Zeller has virtually destroyed the black aspiration of the party. I think now is the time where the DA can prove himself to be a party that's for all people and a party that can make the difference. We need a strong opposition. So I hope that Imbali gets the leadership position and the DA starts changing its complexion so it's no longer viewed or perceived as a party for only whites or representing the white minority. Thank you, Salim, for that.
important point there about I think changing the complexion of of um, the Democratic Alliance. Um, so yeah, interesting, interesting to hear on that. Let's go to Selvin. Hello, Selvin. Not uh, it's a, you know, the Democratic. Good afternoon, Taresh, Sanusha, and uh, listeners. Uh, my contribution today is to to say, listen, it saddens me to note that the DA. Did they ever have an Indian to be in a senior position? Never. They have the DA councillor in Reserve Wales who does nothing for us besides allowing the informal sectors to bend tires and block us from going to work. So I don't think that I should really worry so much about patronising them. They also say when your children make mistakes, you don't wrap the knuckles. Uh, you wrap the knuckles rather. You don't abandon them. So likewise, we cannot abandon. Let's fix up the ANC. Let's fix them up and see what happens. And from there we can get going and sort out irregularities. What happened there? Thanks so much, Selvin, for the voice note. We appreciate it. Chapter 2. Afternoon to you and listeners. Look, we have a problem with politics in the country. We have a problem with the quality of politics in the country that does not offer anything that adds value to the lives of citizens or the livelihoods of citizens in the country. Basically, we are trapped in a circle of politics made up of the ANC, DA, IFP and EFF. These parties do not move us forward. They're not taking our democracy forward. The country is getting in a bad position daily. We need new blood. We need Moise Maimani. We need Herman Mashaba. We need people who do not have political infighting. That's the problem. We need people who have good visions, who can take the country forward and build our democracy. Thank you from Chapter 2. Thanks so much there. Chapter 2 out of the critique there on all political parties and not just the DA. Uh, interesting points raised there. And those, of course, form the fundamentals of what one should be you know, looking uh, at to see why the DA seems to be, um, you know, um, not doing so healthily in terms of the um, analysis surrounding them. Tonti from Richards Bay says, and really will be a key to open the Pandora's box where this box needs to have a room for change. Day must come alive in in change for the voters to come back. Rani from Stangamana says one only has to hope that whatever the so-called New Democratic Party promises is what they're going to deliver. Uh, we are in a DA ward in Stangamana and what's ironic is that we're currently without electricity for 16 hours. Ramba Mudli from Phoenix says interesting topic. May the best candidate be elected. Puli Mudli from Queensborough says it's a great topic. South Africa's opposition parties, especially the DA, appear to be confused, chasing shadows or paralyzed firstly by the infighting power struggles and they lack the ability of holding the ruling um, party to account on issues like bribery and corruption the COVID-19 crisis and they have not and they have lost focus their leadership uh, is not in keeping with what the party stands for and Ale from Itaqueni says the DA is going to going back to its roots remember it was born out of a marriage between the DP the Federal Alliance and the National Party Stian Hazen's campaign was carefully staged and managed and will be uh, elected to consolidate the conservative support base Bali has done well to challenge the status quo but Zilla, the Zilla factor looms large and will ensure that she doesn't ascend to power they will look to consolidate the conservative white Indian and coloured support and some black support. They are out of depth when it comes to the structural transformation.
Sinusha, so lovely points, interesting points there, you know, ranging from a lot of things that we've discussed on. And mm-hmm. let's let's help you understand it nationally. If uh, in the previous election, the 2014 election, the Democratic Alliance managed 22.23% of the vote, and they dropped that uh, in the 2019 election by to 20.7% of it. So definitely going down several notches there. And this was something mm-hmm. that um, I think the party, um, you know, rallied together and said, wait a second, we've performed badly, we should not be dropping specifically since the EFF is increasing uh, in, in the last election. So mm-hmm. taking that into account, the idea of returning to the conservative voter and to bring them back into the support base, taking that performance of, in the 2019 election into account, Sinusha, um, how crucial do you think that played to where the DA finds itself now? I would actually be a little bit more uh, reflective and go to 2016. Because remember, next year is a local government election, Teresh. So combine what happened in 2016, where they did really well. They won at least two of the of the, of the the uh, metros, uh, or rather they had coalition partners. Um, and they were quite buoyant. Um, and that was the first time Musi Mehmani contested an election as leader of the party. Come 2019, what happened? Uh, it seemed to be that everything uh, started to unravel in the party. The performance was bad. Uh, the question is, were they, you know, did they have enough uh, kind of lobby advocacy resources on the ground to, to make sure that they convinced the electorate, particularly people that are close to the coalface? Like, like one of your callers said, I live in a DA ward, but I still have problems with my electricity interruption. Um, and, and, and using that as the basis... Were they able to use that momentum from 2016 into 2019? We, so, we definitely know that they weren't able to. And going into the 2021 election, what momentum would they have? And are they thinking that maybe the idea of going back to basics and keeping a traditional base, a, uh, electoral base, will basically be the kind of stabilization we need first and foremost, and then use that stabilization going forward into 2024 and then build the base again? And, and that's going to be the key issue. Because that means that Stianhuizen is not now the chief whip and the, and, and the guy in parliament that is essentially uh, just sitting there and going to be at, uh, opening up the conversation around the, as an opposition leader. He has to lead a party. Uh, and, that's one, and that's something that's very important with regard to combining those two efforts in, 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 and positions and how you reconcile that and how do you grow this. And that's why I think his statement about uh, how to grow, how to rebuild this party, how to go, how to move this party forward comes out of this review of the 2019 election uh, results. It actually talks about uh, putting more resources on the ground, creating more uh, kind of an, an enabling environment or enabling set of resources for their lobbyists and their activists on the ground, something that uh, Mr. Truly had raised in terms of saying, well, there's not enough of that. Uh, but this is the how. And the how means that if you manage to get one, manage to make some inroads into those communities that are, that are at the cold face of poverty, inequality, and the triple scourge of uh, all these, uh, the, the, the social justice issues in our country, um, it will be important for them to be able to then say, okay, we've done a little bit of, we've done better than what we've done in 2019, not as, maybe not as good as what we should have been, we should build on in 2016, but we are regrouping. But the problem here is that you, they end up in a way 
actually playing, and I, I mean, this is purely just my speculative analysis, that you may play into the EFF's hands by taking on this kind of approach to your stabilization of the party. Um, and that if you are only going to concentrate on minorities and look at minorities as the way to go forward as the traditional base and try and grow it a little bit here and there outside and, and broaden the, 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 the African vote electorate, uh, uh, electorate into your space, you have to remember we have a disaffected youth in this country. And I think Ms. Tuli can talk to that youth. But unfortunately, I'm not sure if Mr. Stenhausen talks to that youth. And I yeah. think the question of race becomes even more compelling because, again, you have a party that can appeal to people's populism. People, they can, you have a party like the EFF who can actually take those spaces and own it in the context of race. Mm. So we've spent a great deal of time talking about fundamental issues that could be a, a, you know, a, of particular importance when going into a conference like this and what the outcomes could be. Let's now talk about the candidates quite late in the program, Sinusha. I think we were quite, uh, in, you know, we were co- co- quite um, enjoyed the process of looking at the, the identity of the party. Let's look at the candidates. Of course, John Steen, he's an interim leader. Uh, he's been at it for a year now, hasn't he? So um, he's been, you know, He's got that bit of experience uh, to mm-hmm. deal with it. Um, quite a loud voice at Parliament, you know, um, mm-hmm. has has really um, managed to, um, you know, hold the opposi- opposition party into account, um, you know, knows what issues need attention, how to raise them. And um, so definitely from that perspective, he comes quite, you know, with a great deal of experience. And then Bali and Tuli, um, and, and, and this is interesting, uh, because many have, uh, you know, some critics have said she just doesn't have the experience. She spent most of her time in Kozula Natal, of course, as an MPL here. Um, not so, um, you know, into grips of the national structure of the Democratic Alliance. Needless to say, you know, quite um, un- unaware of the of the proceedings within the Western Cape, the, the, the Democratic Alliance, you know, uh, region of stronghold. So mm-hmm. taking these into account... Um, you know, your thoughts then on this race? Yeah, I mean, I think Mr. Sianism does have that experience about Ms. Mikuli. Uh I think he, he you know, he, he, he started off in KZN, if I'm not mistaken, uh, but has been spending, he spent a longer time building his career uh, in the DA and then, of course, came to National. I, I, I don't want to sound disrespectful to him, but I think he had a, he had a, a greater advantage in Ms. Mikuli. And uh, to a large extent, I think, she comes through the ranks in KZN, she stays in KZN. Uh, that's that's the stronghold. He, she's got a, a good footprint in the province. She's eloquent. She's uh, she, she seems to be a dynamic speaker. She's made quite a few interesting op-ed pieces uh, as well. I think there's been con- some controversy about whether she could uh, that it, she could have uh, they could have debates. Uh, there were some questions around the rules of what goes of how these debates would be uh, covered, and, and there were some questions about whether she uh, what you call this uh, had um, whether whether there was an unfair advantage to Mr. Stenhausen. But I think the other pro- the other challenge here is the question of yes, you're right. You raised the point about Mr. Stenhausen and, and going forward. I think he also has to now shift gears in a way because shifting gears means that he has to 
uh, think about not just being the lead, the the the, the, parla- the chief parliamentary whip and and the and, and the kind of opposition leader that is going to play in in terms of the part of of, of of reacting to the ANC. He has to build this party, and that's what his statement was: the how. And I think that is going to be important for him in terms of going forward. The other point to make about this is the question, which kind of also uh, intrigues me about this race, is whether the DA. By saying that they're going with experience and that she doesn't have, Ms. Tuli doesn't have experience, that she doesn't understand, well, she doesn't have the experience of the national and she doesn't have the experience in parliament and, of course, the Western Cape sector. Are they saying that uh, we rather go for somebody who has experience but, some, but, but also limit this idea again? I'm going to come back to my, my point about the parachute scenario uh, and the factor. And, and, and hoping that that would be something that would kind of stabilize the party. Because in a way, you know, my mind says, you, you, it seems as if you've, you've experienced with this idea of having a black leader. Uh, it didn't work out well for you. Now you don't want to have the black leader anymore. You're talking about all these different dynamics around it. Uh, and you're going back to basics. And what, what, what the basics are is someone that, unfortunately, is a white male. And so to my mind is the question are they going to groom her for maybe the next elective conference to contest? Or is this just a way to kind of set the playing field in a, in a, in a focused way where at the end of the day, does she stay in the party? She says she's going to stay. She doesn't become the, the, the federal leader. But everything can change in a, in a swift second. So I think the question then becomes is, are, is this party grooming anybody? to take over or to actually go forward in terms of a transformation agenda, a leader, that a black leader that they feel that they, are, they want to, to groom to go forward because clearly with, the, with, with, with Muslim Amani, there were tensions. Sounds, I'm just, Camilla uh, Harris is coming to mind when you say it like that. Malin <laughs> uh, Tuli and Camilla Harris, that, that peril. So some conspiracy yeah. theories, Anusha, and, and, and I wonder your thoughts on that. Uh, I'm going to go back to WhatsApp just now. Um, you know, and, and, and I, this is just, you know, you know, us political, um, analysis, what do, I don't know what you want to call us, but those people who like to throw about and kick about these, these, uh, conspiracy theories. So you've also, and, and, and let's be advised, uh, not forget that you've got, um, Helen Ziller going up for the position of the DA Federal Council Chair, which of course is you know the second most important and uh, uh, position in the in, in the party. And dare we say, as many have you know said previously, that you know Helen Ziller does control uh, the party through that position. So you know you've got Helen Ziller, and let's just be honest here: it's most likely that she's likely to retain that and, and remain there. Um, yeah. If Mbali and Tuli does actually then um, succeed tomorrow. Democratic alliance at the helm of two women, and I know the feminist in you is going to go. What is this? What is this? What is Tahir asking me right now? Your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I think there's a there's a there's a theoretical answer to that question, and then there's a more practical answer to the yeah. question. Uh, the theoretical answer is that shows that shows innovation. Uh, it, is, it, it, it wasn't. It's not. It didn't happen in the AMC, and so I think that would be one important. Uh, Point for the air for, for for the Democratic Alliance to have a black woman as the federal leader uh, and have a white woman as the federal chair. Now 
that doesn't mean that all is well in the party. That doesn't mean that they're going to work together. There may be other tensions that emerge uh, with regard to personality, with regard to how much of flexibility that uh, the federal leader may have if it's missing, missing Thule, how much of curtailment that the federal, the federal executive may place over her. And at the same time, let's flip it around, uh, Taresh, and say if it's Jane Hazen that wins and uh, Helen Zilla retains her position, there may be an equal set of tensions between her and uh, Stan Hazen. Because, again, taking my cue from what Douglas Gibson was saying, I think there's also this idea that they need to keep her in her lane, that she mustn't basically you know, start going into getting involved in issues that are beyond the scope of her position. And like she did at going to Senegal and saying that she's going there to, to show her support, get, you know, to, to, to address the issues that's going on there. Uh, so again, I think we're going to see not just this race between uh, Stan Hazen and Tooley, but I think there's also this undercurrent of issues about uh, Helen Zilla and how much they may want to contain her. And I think the challenge here is you must bear in mind that she had to create a legacy after becoming the successor to Leon. And it wasn't, a, it wasn't an easy transition for her in that party, particularly following on from Leon. There were, there were lots of tensions as well. And, and defining her role and, and creating that space and making her identity in that party critical for her was something she had to basically fight for. So I think at the end of the day, I would be very curious uh, in both respects, whether it's two females or whether it's a man and a female, in those interchangeable positions, who will the federal executive and these these, these traditional base, and I'm assuming that the, that, that the influence that people like Leon and, and others have in the party will be uh, to support. Because I think this is where they're coming from, that this is where Stan Hazen enjoys the support of the the traditional, the, 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 the old guard in the party. That yeah. in itself changes the complexion. So I think there's a race at the top, but there's this question about if Helen Ziller also retains her position, how much will they want to control that and contain her in that position? Mm. So let's go to WhatsApp then as we try and get more sense of this. Let's go to uh, Bina Ram Dhari Om Sai Ram. Om Sai Ram. The leader, Musima Himani, left his previous party and opened his own party. Yesterday, there was another member that left Minority Front and going to IFP. I don't see why they are joining other parties. If they never made it in the party that they were and never made a difference or asked the party that they are with to join the bigger company, why are they leaving that party and going to other party. If they didn't make a difference then, they would not make a difference now and they must all step down. And this election and voting of all these people are just nonsense. Like the DA wants to choose a, a, a leader in the in their party. That is how all the parties must choose a leader, a president for our country. We don't need this election. Bina Ramdari. Thank you so much for your view today. Let's go to Mr. Ian Governor. Good afternoon, Teresh and the team. I have lost faith in all political parties, be it the ANC, the DA, or any other party. There is a lot of infighting. I will vote for a credible, independent candidate. Thank you. Mm, a disillusionment abound over there. Uh, Jay from Phoenix. Hi, my name is Jay. I'm from Phoenix. I'm 
uh, talking in, in connection with the political parties, I sometimes back helped a few, uh, quite a number of parties, the MF and uh, the DLC in terms of the elections. And I also helped the NFP as well. And so every time I went to the parties for help, they say they can't help me. Minority Front, a few years back, the one thesis, because I carried the politics, the, the, the candidates to, I mean, the public to the polling stations and for the DLC and for the MF. But every time when I went back to them, I used to use my van. Mm, okay, so we get your point there. You're talking about you know assisting political parties and not getting um, you know due support. And I think what that uh, actually then speaks of is um, what many say about um, you know does the political party continue to support me once I vote? Let's go to um, another voice note. Uh, this is Ramba. Hello, Ramba. Good afternoon, God's angels. Thank you for being on air today regarding the election. It's really good to hear which party is going to take the country over. All parties are the same. But for me, I will only vote for the DLC that's practically. Okay, Ramba, thanks so much for that. Let's go to some text messages. Krishna Pillay from Stanger. Um, I hold the view that anyone can hold the position of leadership. Most important is not about being right, but doing the right thing. As for the gentleman who spoke of, of um, wrapping a child around the knuckles and give the ANC a chance to redeem itself and make amends, who are you kidding? Um, any leadership must be accountable and have the interests of the country, its people above self-gain. Throw out racism, please. It's a poor excuse. Anila Narayan says uh, to the president, I plead to you to please sort this country out. So those are the um, messages coming through. Sinusha, as you wrap up now, um, I think very quickly, your thoughts on how interesting this race is going to be. And, you know, as they say, may the best candidate win. Um, It's looking like whatever emerges from here, whoever emerges as the winner is really going to have a tough task ahead of the municipal elections to prove that the DA has the united base um, Mm -hmm. to take on its challenges. Indeed, uh, I think it's it's an important election. It's a decisive election for taking the party forward. Uh, how they regroup, how they stabilize, how they basically get back in touch with their electoral footprint, and in terms of their of the of, the, of building the elect, uh, rebuilding the electoral base is going to be critical. But also intertwining with that is the way in which they take their policy decisions and their policy documents forward in the context of what we discussed. You know, the race transformation debates and so forth. The other point to make as well is, you know, it's not just about or what the leader does or who, how this party goes forward, but it's also the question of how the, the brand of this party then gets reimagined in, in, in society. Um, not the kind of ch- challenge that the DA is going through, is it an existential challenge just for the DA, or is it an existential challenge of liberal parties across the world? And I think we've got to think about that context as well, aligning it to the inter- international issues around the liberal or the way in which political parties have gone through these existential crises. And I think the point that was made by your previous call, WhatsApp uh, voice uh, callers 
on, on, on the relevance of political parties and when do political parties do serve a purpose, I think people are frustrated. People are really frustrated, and I'm becoming frustrated. And I think at times political parties become an abomination of democracy because they don't really represent people, but they come there to actually say, vote for me, and this is what we're going to do, and then you don't see them. So I think we have to also think how do we recreate the democratic activism around what kind of democracy we want, and is it just about a, party, a party-led or a party-centric democracy, or do you take the point that was made by the other caller that we need to vote for independence? But what we need is not just voting for people. We need people to basically earn our trust. And I think that's the bigger question. Wonderful. Senior Research Associate based at the Institute for Global Dialogue. Sinusha, thanks for your time. And we'll check in possibly tomorrow on the race. Yeah. So there you go. That was it. The broadcast came away courtesy of the team, executive producer Selma Patel and Rachel Vadi. I'll talk to you tomorrow uh, from me, Tarish. Hey, have an awesome day. UT is one of the top five universities in South Africa, number 10 in the world for research citations and ranked in the top 500 universities on the planet. It's no wonder that DUT offers you a world-class, internationally recognized education. Applications for 2021 are now open. So apply via the Central Applications Office on cao.ac.za. Remember, applications close end November and closing dates may vary. So please apply today. Visit dut.ac.za. DUT, Envision 2030, improving lives and livelihoods. Newsbreak, Lotus FM, powered by SABC News.